This is a restless interview. Welcome back to Restless, the postmortem on the young, restless, and reformed. I am joined by Pastor Michael, and I am your host, Matt, who, as far as I know, is still a member in good standing of the Reformed Pub, which is good news. <laughs> uh, which is, ouch. <laughs> sorry, man. Which is good right news because to, today we are joined <laughs> by the Reformed Pub's founder, Les Lamphere, uh, uh. who is a Calvinist filmmaker. Uh, in both senses of the word, he made a movie called Calvinist, and he is a Calvinist making movies. Uh, he's also made Spirit and Truth, and right now he is hosting a podcast called Gospel Riot, which I'm sure you're listening to, uh, where he gets the interviews uh, we won't. He talked to theologian Mark Jones, uh, he's talked to apologist James White, and Michael, like yourself, he's interviewed a PCA pastor, uh, Todd Pruitt. Les, welcome to the show. Am I missing anything from your bio? Uh, no. Well, I, j- I just got off a call with John Cooper from uh, Skillet, and that was the craziest, one of the cra- So I can't, I'm trying to figure out who's more famous, uh, R.C. Sproul or John Cooper from Skillet. Uh, it's a tough one, right? That is that a is, tough that's one. That's got to be a toss-up. Has, yeah. Hasn't, like, Skillet's music been in, like, Madden and stuff? I feel like... Oh, it, yeah. Yeah, it, it's huge. Uh, so, I mean, I guess as far as... Uh, exposure but like do people know who he is and it's a good question you know what he's about but uh, yeah so i mean those are those are the the two coolest things i've probably ever done and i just got off the one with john Co- i i used his music at my wedding that's and, awesome what uh, song so that's how much i love him um <clears throat> oh shoot what's it called oh the one real thing no that's not it uh i don't know it was one of the romantic ones nice uh and i think my wife still shakes her head because she's like that made no sense that we use that song but i i just loved skillet so much i, I had to <clears throat> yeah. well well that is aged better than uh uh the gungor song that i used in my wedding so oh okay uh, so congratulations That's yeah awesome. <laughs> yeah sometimes you're the people you like become heretics <laughs> yeah so well thanks for coming on we just want to talk to you about uh your take looking back on new calvinism i feel like you've been connected to it in various ways um mm-hmm. and yeah just hear from you so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you became reformed well i got saved when i was 19 uh, i guess that was like 2002 something like that um and then i i had no i didn't grow up in the church i had no connection to the church i didn't i was just I was literally like the the guy who shared the gospel with me uh, within a month of sharing the gospel with me. Um, I, I was sort of living by myself in this college town because of him, because we were friends and I wasn't going to college there. And then he flunked out of school and then moved to Florida. So I was stuck in uh, State College, Pennsylvania, with no connection to anyone. I didn't know any Christians. I didn't. And, and I but so I was just this, literally this lone Christian. Um, and I remember walking into a they call it the Dorito Church. People still know exactly what I'm talking about in um in uh State College, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> and apparently years later I found out it was a Catholic church. But I went in there and I sat down and I heard them reading the Word of God and uh they sang Amazing Grace and they did the Lord's Prayer. No, I don't no I, they probably didn't sing Amazing Grace. That that's probably a bad memory mismemory but um they did the lord's prayer and i had just read the lord's prayer because i had read through the book of matthew and i it it was just this weird uh little experience of like 
church culture. And then uh, I moved to Florida and made my way through some uh, churches of varying degree of quality. Started out in a, a weird, it was an IHOP church. You guys sure, familiar yeah. with that movement? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So literally, yeah, pancakes it was, and waffles. No, yes. Just, just yes. Kidding. Delicious church. Yes. Um, they so this church was all women, uh, in the leadership, and they would literally just pull out a map sometimes and pray over the United States and roll on the floor and laugh. And I was like, oh, cool. Church is weird, but you know, <laughs> so I guess this is fun. I guess this is what Christianity is. And then uh, over the years, I you know got a little more solid, a little more solid. Then I was in like a a Calvary Chapel. And that's where the, the, the real shift happened for me. So this movement was happening, and Calvinism had suddenly become a word that was being whispered in the hallways of Calvary Chapel. <clears throat> and um, a, a young adults ministry that they had, um, the entire thing was taken over by Calvinists. And uh, it became a huge controversy and a big problem, and they started preaching against Calvinism from the pulpit. And they made everybody in the congregation sign, or every, no, sorry, everybody in leadership sign a document that said, I do not believe in these, these Calvinist teachings and blah, blah, blah. And I, I was actually doing some teaching there um, for, for some of the younger people. And uh, so I was a Calvary Chapel fanboy, and they told me Calvinism was bad, and I was like, all right, it's bad. And then I started to learn a little bit about it, and I hated it even more. <laughs> um, you know, as is often the starting place. Yep. Uh, so God doesn't love everyone the same, and you know He's not He's not trying to save people. And the sinner's prayer is was thrown into question, which was like th- those were like the foundational doctrines that I that I believed. <clears throat> so, you know, I said if if God operates this way, I I, I won't worship that God. Uh, and fortunately, the Lord didn't strike me down uh, in that moment. Uh, so. The more I learned about it, the more people were confronting me. And actually, you guys are probably familiar with the Reform Pubcast. Uh, the co-host of that show, Tanner, he was going to the same Calvary Chapel, and he was there when I taught this uh, message. And the message was literally that we are born clean slates, <laughs> that uh, we ha- that we learn sin from our parents. We're not born sinful, and uh, we have it just uh, you know, a, a very heavy emphasis on the free will choice we have to choose Jesus. And so, you know, some some of you guys are probably familiar with the fact that that is called the Pelagian heresy. Indeed. And I was just standing there teaching these people Pelagianism. And without trying to throw people under the bus, some of the leadership came up to me afterwards, and they thought it was very good. Uh, <laughs> they thought I did a very good job. But Tanner is one of the people that started confronting me and being like, you you don't know what you're saying. Like you're you're in the, you're showing me from scripture how what I was saying was hugely problematic, and uh, the Lord used some of those people to, you know, the the light came on at some point. I was I was secretly listening to John Piper. I didn't even know he was a Calvinist. I didn't. Uh, but then once once it all sort of fell in place, um, I remember talking to my wife, and she'd heard the word Calvinism thrown around a lot because it was so taboo in our church, and I was like. I think I'm a Calvinist. And she's just like, oh, no. Like, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah, that changes everything. So, um, so yeah. And then once I embraced it, I became a thorn in the flesh of my church. <laughs> and I started teaching 
proper doctrine, uh, probably yelling a little bit like uh, Mark Driscoll. Um, and uh, yeah, they didn't like me anymore. <laughs> and uh, they <laughs> suggested some other churches in the area that it might be a better fit for me. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's how I found it. Wow. Wow. Well, you're in good company here because mm-hmm. uh, Michael, Pastor Michael, the first time he explained how God's sovereignty interacts with human freedom, uh, he has confessed to describing pretty much in detail open theism. So. 100%. First, first day I'd ever heard the terms Calvinism, Arminianism being debated, I said, well, this is how I think it works. And I just charted out open theism for everyone. <laughs> Man, the Lord allows heresy to exist in his people sometimes. Uh, I, I, that, that's something that I'll never fully understand how that works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, we always ask everyone who comes on the show, um, and Michael and I have both answered this, what do you think your most cage stage moment was along the way? Oof. Jeez, um, you're making me think of painful things. Um, well, I guess it was probably there at Calvary Chapel. I was secretly, um, understanding this stuff and, uh, this, oh yeah, this, this, uh, youth pastor that I was working with, we went to a conference in California and it was fun. And then, uh, this guy came out on stage and his name was Francis Chan. And, uh, and he had read my, this youth pastor I was with had read, uh, crazy love or whatever that book was that Francis Chan wrote. And, um, so he comes out on the stage and he starts, he starts talking about how, you know, it's, it's not the quality of the preaching in the youth group. that's going to save my kids. It's not, you know, what I do to them, blah, 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 going through all the things, human intervention that would actually save my children. He's like only the spirit of God when God chooses can save my children and the crowd loved it and even the guy i was with loved it and i'm like i leaned over i'm like i i think he's like that's that's calvinist stuff that he's saying right now and he's like no 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 no, definitely not no he's just i like this it can't be yeah exactly so he, he didn't understand what he was actually teaching that it's completely up to god to save my kids if the lord sees fit um and so yeah i just realized there was a disconnect there and uh so uh when we got back to you know back to florida that sunday i just decided like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do this i'm just gonna be a calvinist i'm actually gonna like so i had like this sort of coming out of the closet moment uh and i was and i taught so i got in front of all these kids and i just like smashed them in the face with like (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't playing around it was like you know uh you know, without, without, you know, we're born in sin. You cannot please God at all. Uh, nothing you do is going to save you. It's completely up to the Lord to open your eyes. Maybe, maybe a a tad on the hyper Calvinist side of things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll just say he did not like that sermon and (laughs) he confronted me afterwards. And then, um, all these kids afterwards had all these questions. I mean, they, they had never heard anything like this before. So they were coming up to me afterwards and they were, you know, asking about the, you know, the nature of the gospel. And, um, and I, I had enough to be able to say like, yeah, the gospel is the means God uses. So we have this confidence to go out and share the gospel. And we know that the Lord will open eyes if he chooses to, but you don't have to have the guilt of, um, you know, if you, if you mess it up or say it the wrong way, it's, it's not about that. Um, and yeah, they, 
they kicked me out pretty pretty quickly <laughs> after that. But the so it was the boldness of that. I was just like, I know this church disagrees with me. I know they they hate this doctrine, but I I don't. But it's true. It's biblical, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it in front of all these kids. That was probably my <laughs> most uh, <laughs> controversial moment. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. What I. Uh enjoyed um about the your and tanner on the reform pubcast um other than the many great beer recommendations mm-hmm. um, was i think that it very interestingly tracked um a lot of the younger calvinists kind of trajectory mm-hmm. yep. right it, it you know obviously excitement about the doctrines of grace and then you start discussing the more confessional more historic reform doctrine which is which is a healthy thing, and I and I think that that was uh, uh, that that is why when I was talking to Michael, oh, I think it'd be really fun if Les would talk to us about his thoughts on New Calvinism. Yeah, I, I like to not to discourage people that are holding up for more episodes of the podcast because that <laughs> that very well could happen. But um, I like to think of the show as far as it is at the moment. It's it's a story arc of two young, restless, reformed Baptist dudes um, becoming confessional reformed men. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally I totally think so. And I think in some ways it, you know, it, it does make sense kind of where it, where it ended. Um, so you came, you, you became reformed um, with some of these influences what are your thoughts on the movement now looking back 10 years 10 years later i guess is when it was in its heyday maybe a little longer now well uh i kind of made a movie about my thoughts i guess you could say <laughs> yeah um cuz uh, you know i don't if if people haven't seen calvinist it's not just um like a movie about doctrine it's actually sort of a um telling the story of the experience of of you know a subset of a generation i guess you could say um people who saw a lot of shallow theology in the church, wanted more, started discovering on the internet, started discovering these these preachers that were preaching just shockingly biblical theology. <clears throat> and um and it, it it just changed it just rocked people's worlds. So uh I think it obviously is a very good thing. I think um I'm a full on product of it. And, you know, I know a lot of people throw a lot of shade at it, but I mean, come on, like, like, uh, reformed theology, at least reformed soteriology became popular. Like how, how is that? How could you possibly say that's a bad thing? Um, so, but the question at the end of the day was, what are you going to do with it? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, yeah, yeah. People did bad stuff with it. People went in wrong directions. People made bad decisions, but, and then the ones who went in the right direction, the only reason they did is because of this this, this movement that happened. So, no, I, I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, it's just that a lot of people weren't able to bridge it into the more a more fleshed-out, reformed understanding of their theology. And that's, of course, that's unfortunate. Yeah, we see a lot of uh, our audience as basically split between two groups. One is that group that maybe didn't ever bridge uh, into mm-hmm. a more confessional reformed world and are kind of ambivalent about, well, what was that? What happened? And then also a little bit of those guys who 
uh, were able to bridge that, but then still look back and are like, am I supposed to still think that some of that was okay? Am I not? Like, what exactly was going on there? That's really uh, the the two kind of groups that uh, we're trying yeah. to hit. And, and we're thankful for it, too, because we're both also right. very much products of it. So but, go out and get this movie. Go out and get Calvinist right. if yeah. you haven't seen it. I was yeah. just talking to a young man on yeah. Sunday who said that he spent his Reformation Day watching Calvinist yeah. and eating uh, candy. So, Am, am I remembering right that at least briefly you considered naming the film the YRR Must Die? Is that the young, young, the young Restless and Reform Must Die? Yeah, that was my a potential title. It would have been a very different. It would have been a di- very different movie. It, it was. It was really going to be. I don't even know if if the concept would have landed, but it was on one hand, um, the bullies, the the JD halls of the world, uh, that are that can't handle like anybody having a youthful bone in their body and <laughs> and you know talking about reformed theology and uh, like if you if he saw you with a beer, he'd probably like punch you in the face or something. <laughs> like it's like so there's that that aspect like these this stodgy like they can't handle any kind of disagreement. Uh, with their very narrow view of what Reformed theology must be. And he's a Baptist, so he was wrong on that all along anyways. <laughs> um, but then on the other side, it was, so it, it was like, it was going to be like, hey, shut up and let us reform and, you know, let us find good teaching. And if you want to encourage us, great. But if not, like, you know, get out of my face because you're not, you're not helping by telling me how, how much of an idiot I am. Um, but then on the other side, it's like, yeah, this movement does have to die because we have to move on, mm. we we can't just stay there. So yeah, it, it would have been a different movie, and I'm 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 glad with with uh, the content the Lord sort of brought me to that that ended up being what Calvinist is. Yeah, well, as as we often do to people that we bring up on the show, Pastor Hall, uh, you're welcome to come on the show anytime, or just write uh, some articles uh, condemning us if yeah, if that's I more actually, your speed. Yeah, it, it definitely is more his speed, but I actually appreciate him a lot. I do and too. Yeah. I have, I have, um, you know, every time I see him, I ask him if I can pray for him, and I, I he, he sort of balks at me because he thinks I'm, I'm um, being sarcastic. I'm absolutely not. Like I think he's a great preacher. I think he's standing for really good things. I think he's just got some some quirks that it's like, dude, like I, I actually love you. Can you right. just chill and right. you know be like, let's do this together. You know, like not everybody has to be think exactly like you and uh, you can have some unity, but you know, whatever. Yeah, we, we need a little stodginess. We need a little stodginess. I'm all right with that. Well, just um, don't like just don't like bite people's heads off. That's right. Stodginess. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so with both of the films you made, you engaged a lot with kind of the people. A lot of these guys uh, in churches they look up to. Right. Pastors, teachers. What do you feel like? the the main thing you took away you learned engaging with those people were over the years uh with the people i interviewed in calvinist yeah in calvinist in spirit and truth what do you would you you know these yeah these are just figures that most young calvinists look up to learn from yeah i mean yeah i i chose them i guess for the most part because i agreed with them and that's kind of maybe a very small criticism that i get is that in the two movies i've made I'm only interviewing only interviewing people that I agree with, um, but I mean that that is the point of the movie is to help people understand something that I believe is is true. Um, but I mean, it's just always uh, one of the more interesting things, I guess, is 
seeing different denominations. Hmm. And over the years, I've come to appreciate, I know you mentioned the, the pub earlier. Uh, it's, it, there's, <clears throat> you know, I, so I went through like a cage stage uh, thing where I was just like fighting everybody off with swords. Um, and then the more that I embraced Reformed theology and the, then the more that I saw some of the diversity, I really appreciate the diversity under the umbrella of orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, there's one guy in Spirit and Truth, uh, Robert McCurley. He's a, uh, he's, his denomination is the Church of Scotland Continuing. Um, so they're like hardcore Presbyterians, exclusive psalmody, head coverings, all this stuff. And a lot of people, they look at that, if you if they disagree with it, they just think it's like legalistic and like all this nasty, you know, it's just like, how dare you have a practice that, that I think oversteps a boundary because I'm not prepared to, you know, whatever. So I, I don't practice exclusive psalmody, I don't practice head coverings, but I get it. Like, I get the arguments, and I think the fact that you're convicted about that, and you're convinced from Scripture, and you're practicing it, praise God. And so, and so I think that there's these, there's these sort of practices and, and things that people are doing. Like, uh, those, those denominations, they're almost like, we need them. Because when I ask them questions about worship, when I ask, uh, 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 Robert McCurley specifically stands out as one of the guys that he didn't have to think about his answer, about anything I said. Hmm. Um, and there wasn't wiggle room. And, you know, I have some more wiggle room than he does. Uh, and that's, that's okay. But he didn't have it. And so he had straight biblical answers to every, every question I asked about, like, you know, what would you say about this kind of song? And it's like we can only, you know. So his, his conclusions would be maybe a little further than, than I'm willing to go. But if we don't have those people— that are are willing to stand stronger than you're willing to, then, you know, so I guess what I'm saying is I I think it's more important for us to try to understand where other people are coming from than to just, especially just cast people off as legalists or, you know, say you're, you're being licentious when you, you know, disagree with me slightly on, on certain things. And at the end of the day, that even that position is a little subjective because you have to like draw your lines. Like, how far am I willing to be okay with someone when they're disagreeing with me before I say they're just, you know, they're misunderstanding scripture completely? So, um, I think that's I, I don't know. That doesn't really answer your question, but no, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, that's 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 one of the things that's that I am appreciating by going around and interviewing these people in different denominations. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about your second movie, because actually for me, that one was probably more impactful um, as, yeah, as I continue to grow. I'm a seminary student. Um, You know, uh, a little about my background is while I became reformed, the only reformed church in my town up north, there aren't as many uh, Presbyterian churches, reformed churches, sadly. And so when it closed, I actually joined a Lutheran church. And so obviously very much wrestling, and that was my pastor's recommendation. So, right, I was at a very big crossroads of wrestling through the normative principle and the regulative principle, right? Both in their very pure forms. And so 
I think your presentation of Reformed worship in the Spirit and Truth is helpful. It's interesting. Um, Michael, you just saw the movie. What did you think? Yeah, I don't know if this is uh, something I should probably be embarrassed about, but I had not seen Spirit and Truth until last night. So I actually just watched (laughs) it last night in preparation for this interview. Welcome, Uh, friend. It's okay. There's nothing to be ashamed of. (laughs) I do. I want to highly recommend it. Uh, It was great. It was it was uh, it was a great great uh, use of time. Great way to spend uh, part of a Sunday. I was just sitting snuggling with uh, my two boys and we were watching this and uh, they're younger and it a lot of it was just over their head. They loved some of the graphics. When uh, you had uh, Luther walking up to kind of the dark cathedral and pounding the stake onto the door and the cathedral breaking, they loved it. Oh man, yeah. they loved it. They thought it was so Sweet. cool. <laughs> and my second son's name is Martin. So anytime Luther comes on to anything, he's like, oh, yeah, like that's my that's, claim to uh, fame. That's what, yep, that's like me. Uh, yeah, so it was, it's super helpful. Uh, we've talked uh, earlier in this podcast on what exactly it means to be reformed. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we talked about was the regulative principle. And so I want to just say quick, uh, if if you've been having trouble understanding what exactly we were talking about when we were talking about the regulative principle, and we tried to define it, uh, but spirit and truth seems to me a great uh, starting place to understand what exactly the regulative principle is. Uh, Les, what, what was it that uh, brought you to make this like a movie about reformed worship? Who thinks of that first off? And why, you know, why would you do that? Um, well, so I, so I, I found myself sort of a, in a settled down situation in my life, uh, where I was going to a, um, externally reformed church. Uh, the denomination is reformed. The church itself, um, I mean, you wouldn't even know that they're Calvinists by, by going there. Um, and they even, they even baptize babies and all that stuff. Uh, but I don't know. It just, it was, it was a very mega church feel. They had lasers. They had smoke machines. Uh, they had they had the stuff, and it was it was a big church. And then I had this friend who started inviting me to come check out his uh, PCA church in town. And we are on about as far as far on the conservative end of the PCA spectrum. If people out there don't know, the PCA is it's a wide spectrum. Um, so we're very conservative, very similar to like an OPC church or something like that. And uh, so I'd start going there in the evenings. And uh, so Sunday morning, it's smoke machines, lasers, uh, big band, um, popular Christian radio hits. And then in the evening, it was we had a we had an acoustic guitar player. He was he was uh, musical accompaniment, but it was clearly not about him. It was not about the music. It was about the voices of the people, um, and it was about simplicity. So. You know, you could, you could walk into that setting and be like, well, this is boring and it's simple. And I don't like boring and simple. But uh, what I started to learn was, no, this this is, an, this is a choice they're making. They're not doing this because they don't have enough money for a band. They're doing this because they think this is the right way to worship God. And as I started to really um, investigate what they were saying, and I would meet with the pastor, and he was very kind to me, and I, he ended up being my, my, my uh, actual pastor. <clears throat> but... I just absolutely fell in love with this uh, this philosophy that was saying, "Why are we here? Why did we? Why did you come here today? You didn't come here to 
join a, a, a social club of like-minded people and talk about, you know, the, the cool things that we all like together. That, that's, that's sort of part of it. But no, you came here to literally lift up the name of God to, to come face to face with the God who made you and sustained you and saved you. And you're here to worship him. So worship is about worship. It's not about anything else uh, primarily. And if that's true, then who do you get to ask, what do we do in this setting? And, and the only answer to that question, if you're there to worship God, the only one who can tell you what to do in that setting is God. And you're not allowed to add to it. You're not allowed to take away from it. You do what he says. And now, to some degree, that's going to have different expressions because people are going to interpret it differently. And that's, that's okay. That's like the human side of things. And, you know, we live in a sinful world. But um, if you're actively not asking that question or actively interjecting your own opinion and uh, your own preferences and all that stuff, then you're not actually asking God, what do you want? You're asking, what do we want? And now worship is being flipped on its head and you're misunderstanding. So I, I guess to answer your question of why would somebody make this movie is right after my Calvinist breakthrough. So there's the, right, there's the, you become a Christian, that's your second birth. You become a Calvinist, that's your third birth. <laughs> and then for me, my fourth birth, I guess you could say, was discovering um, Reformed worship. So it was, it was just a mind-blowing change in uh, paradigm shift, you know, for me. Yeah, you do a good job uh, in the film of showing those contrasts uh, where you set up some of these. Uh, you follow a couple of different uh, Reformed pastors in their churches, and they're the kind that, like, they're not going to, uh, you know, uh, make it uh, on any of the, you know, major tabloids. They're not going to... Uh, be something that people are thinking are this is so exciting and so cool. Uh, it's just like regular day-to-day -day, uh, reform worship, and it's beautiful. And it was it was awesome just to watch. And then you also have uh, you know clips of kind of the more extreme. It sounds almost like what you experience going to church in the morning and then in the evening, where you have also kind of the more extreme kind of American mega church. Uh, let's make this as exciting as absolutely possible. At one point. I saw uh, you had a clip of a guy like jumping into a pool in a church setting. And I was, I'm just so scared that that was a baptism. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was, but I'm just so scared that they said, all right, just jump in. That's how we're doing it now. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it was cause the, it was part of a, a little thing. And then right after that was um, the American gladiator jousting yes. setting uh, scene. <laughs> yes. I think that was part of the same event. Uh, so uh, okay, I, yeah, so I, like, I don't know if that okay, was an actual yeah. baptism thing, but uh, yeah, I mean, but that that is what the church is doing, and they think they think somehow they've replaced the very simple means of grace, preaching of the word, uh, singing prayer, uh, these very these very simple things that the Lord has given to us that make perfect logical sense. If you're interacting with this deity, if you're interacting with this personal God, then you're communicating with Him. It's a back and forth. It's a it's a, a conversation that's, that's going on. But then, you know, once you start jousting, American Gladiator style, like, you actually think this has anything to do with with communicating with your creator? Right. Like, you know, no, you're obviously just entertaining people at that point. Right. Yeah. I, I love it. Pastor Michael often explains to people Reformed worship as we do word and sacraments so that you have nowhere to hide. You're either here to address God and be addressed mm -hmm. by him, 
or you're not. Yes. Right? That's yes. all there is. So, yeah. So, I, one thing I like to say is if somebody comes into my church uh, as an unbeliever and they sit through the entire worship service and they were to walk out of that worship service as an unbeliever still and say, wow, that was really fun or that, yeah, that was great. My pastor has failed his at his job. Uh, there's only two things that that person should walk out of that service. They, they should either think that was offensive and weird because these religious people are doing religious things and I don't agree with this religion. And, uh, you know, and they also said bad things about my lifestyle or they walk out a believer. Uh, it's one or the other. You, there's, there's no, wow, that was cool and entertaining. And I still don't believe in Jesus. That, that should not be an option for any church. Yeah, it was, it was great to watch. And, uh, you really tie in the, the fact that reform worship is simple, uh, and not simplistic, but simple. And mm -hmm. I was struck by the fact that you can, like, you can take this anywhere. I've had this discussion with a few of our elders here uh, over the course of this last year. Obviously, a lot has uh, gone on as far as what the you know regular meeting together of the church looks like across our country and uh, with yep. the coronavirus and all of that. And, you know, I was just struck with the fact that, you know, if tomorrow, you know, our building was condemned and we couldn't meet here uh, ever again, and we weren't allowed to meet anywhere else, like we could meet in a field. And all we need, I think someone says this in the film, even like, all you need is a Bible, and you're ready to go, you know, like that, yeah. th there's really nothing else you need. Yeah, it's Piper. He says, he says, all you need is a, a Bible, a flask of water, a flask of That's wine. Right. Yes. And and a loaf of bread. So right. if you have to do a baptism, then you, you might need the water. Yep. But other than that, you right. the Bible, wine, and bread, and you can do it anywhere. It's port portability. You can, uh, this thing translates to, to any culture, any setting. Yeah, I think that, again, you also, right, you show the, how do I want to say, the, the, the even, even greater view we can have when we add in the Lord's Day to it right yes where we yes. add in the idea of what does it mean to fellowship together all day what is it what how can how can we do this because again right even for me that's still a question that's still like how do i grow in doing that better and so i really i really enjoyed that part of it yeah that's a massive blind spot we just completely ignored in our in our in our uh evangelical setting in America especially that that the Sabbath command hasn't gone away there, we could say there's a change that we observe in the New Testament but if God made man to work six days and rest one day do we really think that when God says that Jesus is the Sabbath do we really think that that changes the the anatomical needs the, the physiological needs of a human being that we no longer need a day of rest. Um, that's clearly not the case. We're not, we're not physiologically different because Jesus came. And that principle is still there. And God still wants worship. And that's what the Sabbath day was, was all about, was resting and worshiping. Right, right. And, and God, God can, because he created us, prescribe what is restful, mm -hmm. right? It, the fellowship the the worship the work of worship right the liturgy of worship is what is actually refreshing to our souls at least if you're a believer right if like just like what you said if you're a believer this is exactly what you need in its simplicity 
and in this one day set apart. Yeah, I have a, a person that, it, this is just a weird sort of observation. I have a person that comes to our church, and he's kind of there. I, I, I think the Lord is working on him, and in, in, um, in I, I really believe he'll be saved eventually, but he's not currently, and he's there because of some circumstances. He kind of has to be there with a, with a family um, that he comes with every week. Um, But he, he's an older guy. He's like in his late 20s or something. That's not, you know, older, but he's like an adult. And it is, it's pretty unbearable. He, he stays there at worship with us all day long, and you can tell this is not where he wants to be. Whereas, you know, the Christians that are there, like, the, we're, we're making this choice. We want to be here all day. I have nowhere else to be. What, am I going to go work? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, you know, go play video games? No, but I want to be with God's people. And this is the only opportunity, this is the set-aside opportunity for, for us to do that. So, uh, anyway, yeah, the... The Lord's Day is something that if if you're out there and you're not you're not observing the Lord's Day in practice, um, it it's a game changer. It really, really is. It will uh, it'll change your life uh, in only in a good way. Yeah, Michael. Before we let Les go, is there anything else you want to ask him about uh, Spirit and Truth? No, I found it again really helpful. I would encourage uh, anybody listening if you haven't seen it, uh, go out and get it. Uh, it was. It was uh, a great, it's a great next step uh, dealing with a lot of the stuff that we kind of have brought up in uh, very little detail, and it expands upon it in uh, a helpful and beautiful way. It, you, you help to make uh, Reformed worship look as beautiful as it actually is, right? I mean, it, it really is beautiful uh, when it is put into practice, uh, but you really did that well uh, through the medium thank you yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's that's the difficulty of what i'm trying to do is uh like a movie like a movie about reformed worship that is specifically purposely not showy and and not impressive uh trying to make that look cool and impressive in the context of a movie and i i fear i i, I have this idea of making a movie about the trinity and <laughs> how do you visually make how do you make yeah. a movie about the trinity when you're convinced no, that no a, any yeah any representation, any visible representation of God is completely off limits. That's going to be a, a, a fun challenge. Yeah, yeah. Michael and I probably will dive more into these topics of the regulative principle of worship of the Lord's Day. But I know this is why we recommend Spirit and Truth. I know we won't do a better job than Spirit and Truth did. We loved it. Wow. Thank you. Uh, is there... Yeah, is there any other, you, you mentioned a movie about the Trinity. Is there anything else uh, you're working on now? Anything you want to mention to people listening? Uh, well, I'm doing Gospel Riot, so it's a podcast. Uh, I'm still, it's still finding its legs and figuring out what it is. I've had the name in mind for a long time, and uh, now that I'm making it, I'm trying to figure what in, yeah, the, the word riot all of a sudden has this very different context <laughs> than when I, when I thought of the idea. But um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of finding its, uh, its purpose, uh, it's it's sort of, I want to encourage people to evangelize, to take the kingdom by storm, but it's not necessarily a show about evangelism. It's like equipping, you know, and encouraging people to get out there and not be ashamed of Jesus and, and do something. It, it, it's sort of a call to action in, in a lot of ways. So yeah, check out Gospel Riot. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm working on some, some uh, sort of educational material, I guess you could say but uh, not really worth mentioning. Cool, cool. Uh, but yeah, hopefully more movies in the future. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely check out Gospel Riot. Um, and you can always call in and ask Les a question and talk yeah, to yourself. Yeah, I, I need those voicemails. I need the ones at the beginning of the show because it's it's the only chance I get to really like inject inject a little personality at the beginning. Yeah. <clears throat> well, as before, we leave Les. We always ask people this, right? You're listening. Uh, you're li- at least a handful of young Calvinists are listening to you. Do you have any encouragements for them? Do you have any? Yeah, we've we've talked a lot about growing in worship, but is there any? I, I don't know if it's specific advice or yeah, or anything you'd sure. leave them with. Yeah, well, if you're a young Calvinist, the only reason you are is because um, brilliant men that the Lord has blessed the church with um, systematized this stuff for us. They did the work. We're standing on the shoulders of giants, and that's something that we we should praise God for. And if you can appreciate that that aspect of it, if you can go that far with it to say that I'm a Calvinist because, uh, you know, the Lord has, has helped me with these teachers, um, I would just encourage you to go the logical step further and uh, submit to a confession and submit, to, you know, specifically a Reformed confession. So the Westminster or the Three Forms of Unity or, you know, if you really want to, you can go 1689. <laughs> it's fine, I guess. Um but but find it and find a confessional church, um, which is a little dangerous to say that because I'm not encouraging people to leave their their current church or anything like that. But um, it really makes a big difference to to uh, have those guardrails of w- things that the church has already figured out. You don't have to figure it all out or figure it all out again. Um, so confessions and uh, just become a churchman, like become. A dedicated member of a local church. Great. Les, thanks for coming on. You're welcome back on Restless Anytime, man. Absolutely, yeah. Just let me know. We'll talk about anything. I don't I don't get nothing better. Thanks again to Les for coming on the show. Please rate and review this podcast to help other people find it. A, if there's a particular Mark Driscoll or old new Calvinist clip you want to watch and laugh at with us, we'll uh, we'll we'll bring you back. Sounds good.